Some days are terrible, you wish that you were dead And some days are magical, like great banana bread Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads The voices in our heads Yo, 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 yeah Hey, it's Christina You didn't kill yourself today or yesterday Congratulations. Welcome to another episode of The Voices in Our Heads. Happy to be here. What are you doing? You feeding the pigeons? Were you, were you petting your butterflies? Ugh, one of mine died. <laughs> That's not funny, but it kind of... Stark things are funny, okay? This is this is a special episode for me because um, usually I over-prepare and I write a lot of notes and then I can't really read anything, but then I like feel like I'm somehow doing a good job. And then I just came back from therapy and I just, I was like, you know, you're going to fucking walk in the door and you're going to press record and see what happens, bitch. See what happens, bitch. That's how I talk to myself. But it helps. I, I would totally pay someone... This is fucking sadistic, but I would pay somebody to bully me into a habit I want to break. Um, like online bullying me. Oh my God. Wait, wait, you guys could just do that for me if you want. Um, about like smoking. Okay. So I kind of want to, I want to give up smoking. I don't kind of want to give up smoking. I actually do. I do. You have to want to. Um, and the reason why, I mean, I kind of smoked a little bit in college, very so often. Then when I took Adderall, oh boy, you girl smoking like a chimney. Adderall makes you feel like I'd rather breathe cigarettes than air. Air's for fucking pussies. I didn't, I never got it to like a pack a day, but I think when I was dating um, my ex, dun, 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 there's so many Reddit threads about us online, P.S. Um, when we were dating um, his, his ex, smoke cigarettes and then I kind of smoked every once in a while and I remember he told me one time he's like it doesn't make sense when you smoke like when my ex smoked like yeah like I got it like she's like a smoker but like when you smoke I don't get it I'm like oh really motherfucker and it made me smoke more so I feel like if I got bullied if you guys bullied me into um into not smoking maybe it would work like I'll just pretend that you mean it and I'll, I'll be like oh yeah. you could tell me how ugly I look because I'm smoking. Tell me I look like a little wrinkly cat. Like a, like a, tell me I look 80. I don't know. You make up your own fucking thing. I'm not your brain. You are. So follow me on Instagram at Christina Hutch and bully me into stop smoking. I'll see if it works. <laughs> I wrote down some casual reasons. You know, wanting to kill yourself. I joke about it a lot because it's hilarious. And I've, I have way too much experience with suicide. I haven't tried it. Well, that one time when I was 12. <laughs> tried it for a whole hot half a second and I was like ow didn't work but I was I just I casually think about I think it's so normal to think about killing yourself I, it's so normal and I think it's normal to think about killing yourself in not a bleak way but just casually because man we live in a world where we get fast solutions from my cell phone on my couch in my apartment I can get a massage a little a, a massage therapist come in with a table to massage me. I can get all the food I want. I can get cookies and milk, which I, you know, haven't gotten in a while. Maybe I'll do that again now I'm smoking that devil's grass. Um, and so the immediacy for, um, for a solution or to not feel problem, like to not feel, to not have to deal with the feeling. That is so appealing and it's so at our hand, like our fingertips. It's probably on your spreadsheet like right now. Like it's like a, like a fucking, I don't know. You do your spreadsheets. Um, and so I wrote, I like, th I, I wrote down all the casual times I go, eh, I kind of want to kill myself. I'd kill myself. Like, like the cat, the times in my life where I, I, I obviously don't mean it, but I'm like, yeah, I'll just kill myself because <laughs> it's easier. I mean, I'm just saying it. I'm not actually going to do it. But like, for example, when I look at pictures of Sophie Turner, I'm like, oh God, She's so hot. I'll never be that. I'm just going to kill myself. <laughs> when I fall or fart in public, I'm like, oh, it's so embarrassing. How could I recover? Ah, I'm just going to kill myself. I just think it. It's fun to think. I guess it's, I suppose it's not fun to think about when you're actually serious about it. That sounds terrible. Yo, therapy today. Oh, good. 
Oh, God. Oh, God. You know, I mean, I know we already did like an episode about like childhood trauma and shit, but like, let me just, I'm just going to talk about it because, you know, I'm good during the week. I'm good during the week. I'm like, hey, neighbor. What, howdy, mailman. Oh, Tony, what's up? Oh, I'm reading a book. But then when I walk into therapy, I'm like, I'm not going to cry this time. And the second I get there, I'm like, hi, Jane. I, I had a good week. My, my mom didn't soothe me when I was a kid. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Holy water. Oddly enough, don't want to kill myself when I'm in those depths of the despair. <laughs> I'm like, no, you're gonna power through this girl. But here's here's some shit, man. Oh God. Here's some shit. I I didn't realize until this fucking therapist that I'm working with pointed it out. And she's a trauma specialist. I you know, all these I, I talk about all these times in my adult life where I feel like really sad or or alone or abandoned. And my therapist is always like, Well, what let's see if that connects to like a child, an age. Like six-year-old Christina, or five-year-old Christina, or something, because when you are triggered or traumatized, you have this feeling. Like one for the example that I gave her was um, uh, when when I have a boyfriend or a guy that I'm seeing, and it this and this has happened ever since my very first boyfriend, Greg, Greg Fisher. How are you, Greg? Come on, guys, we fucked. Um, the first boyfriend I've ever had, and it happened since um, with every other boyfriend I've had. <clears throat> When they leave, I, I really want to kill myself. I actually don't, I don't think those thoughts, but I, the depths of despair to which my brain goes is truly deep and sad. And so I was telling my therapist today, I'm like, oh yeah, I had, um, uh, a guy, like a really good friend of mine was sleeping over and it's just, you know, I'm not really comfortable with people touching me, um, hugging me. I mean, I guess hugging is fine. I'm a hugger, but like, just like putting, your hand on my shoulder. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not touchy feely. And I've always kind of wanted to be because I like it. I like watching people that are touchy feely, even like friends. Obviously, if you don't know somebody, that's assault. Don't do that. Don't rape. But, you know, to have, be touchy feely with a friend, I think is so nice. And like Corinne, for example, she has a lot of friends that she's like, she's like cute and touchy with. And like, I don't know. I'm like, man, what's wrong with me that I, I don't do that. I'm, I'm just not comfortable doing that. But um, so this person that was hanging out with me, we like cuddle and stuff. And it's one of the, probably one of the only people that I'm like, you comfort me. Your touch comforts me and I want you to touch me. And then touch my clit. And and so I was telling her, you know, when these pe- when my boyfriends would leave or when these people would leave, um, the first couple of boyfriends I had were long distance. So when they, I only saw them on the weekend and then they would leave to go to college. They were treating me the whole time. Well, the first one was. It's okay, Greg. I forgive you. It's fine. Um, but I, I, it was like the world was going to end when they left. And and I always thought, huh. But, you you know, when you feel that way, that's how I've always felt. You're just like, I guess that's how people feel. And then when you're in the therapist couch and you're like, yeah. And I like got I started to get really sad that this person left. And I'm, I know that's illogical. Like my, the logical part of my brain is like, that's not christina do what you got to do you have a to-do list today do the to-do list and she goes you know perhaps that was uh what age do you connect that feeling to like what age would you connect that feeling of lost and i was like i don't know like seven and a half when i was in fourth grade and my mom never really asked me how i was doing seriously i break down in therapy so easily and i still but I, there's still a part of me that holds back the tears even though i'm not actually embarrassed to t- cry in front of her or anyone for that matter um, I still hold back the tears, but like my therapist will point out these things like, yeah, because when this situation happened to you, when you were a kid, no one was ever like, Christina, how are you doing? And I, I swear to God, you guys, I looked at her and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Parents ask kids how they're doing. Is that a thing that happens? Who the fuck's parents asking them how they're doing? I guess a lot of you guys. I truly didn't get any soothing as a kid. I mean, my when you deal with a parent with a mental like bipolar, it, it, for her it back it went back and forth between smothering and like, and, and there were obviously times, and I have it on video proof in these home movies of like where my mom was so sweet and loving, but then there's other times where she was just dead in the face because of the medication, and I'm like, that's a mind fuck. But no one was ever like, hey, honey, you know this isn't normal. You know your mom is a mental ill or something. Just give me something. No one was ever like, how are you? Truly, no one ever asked me how I was. 
I, or if they did, I do not remember it. It did not make an impact. Maybe they were whispering. Maybe I was in the room and they were 20 feet away from me and they're like, hey, Christina, how are you? And then I didn't answer and they're like, well, I guess she doesn't want to tell me. That's maybe the only time it's ever happened. <laughs> so, so I was never properly soothed as a kid, according to my therapist, which I'm open to like, you know, you take everything with a grain of salt. But this is one of her theories. And it's one of the reasons why I don't get the love. Like I can't, I don't, uh, she said to me, children, babies, they learn how to fall asleep. I'm like, word? She's like, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. They learn, babies learn how to fall asleep because they're soothed by their, usually the mom, because she got those titties with them milks in it. And, and the baby was like in that purse, that parent's body. So, you know, there's a connection. Um, and the mother or the father soothed the baby to go to sleep. So the soothing, I guess, signals to the baby, yo, kid, you can fucking go to sleep. A wolf ain't going to eat you. Okay? I'm like, fuck. Because I have a lot of trouble sleeping. Um, Because I'm just try I'm trying to like learn how to soothe myself. <laughs> no, really, I am though. Oh, and you know what else she told me? Boy, this ain't cute. Do you know a child can actually die from feeling abandoned? And I almost stood up off the couch. I was like, Doc, what did you just say? And she said, yeah, in World War II, there was a lot of families that went, had to go off to war, like full-on families, the dad and the mom. We really want to call these ladies? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but a lot, like, the, the 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 men would go out to kill motherfuckers overseas, and then the women are like, well, I got to do Ed's job at the factory now because no one's doing it. You know, everyone had to pitch in, and people were people were giving their babies up to foster care. I, I don't know if it was temporary. I didn't look this, I didn't look up this article, but she's a doctor, and she's got a lot of books in her office. So I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that this is true, okay? I believe her. And she said, like, these babies were, were getting fed and changed, but they weren't getting soothed and they weren't getting the love that they needed. Like, babies actually need love. And um, they were just getting the necessities, the food. the the. And another thing that my therapist always says, it's important for a child to experience their parent looking at them and taking joy in the child just being happy and just playing and discovering itself and discovering its legs. I'm like, wait, really? Shit. I got a lot of catching up to do. But yeah, these babies in World War II that were given up to foster care, they were given the necessities, but they weren't given the love and they fucking, a lot of them died. You can die from abandonment. And man, so that's sad. So guys, hug your babies, okay? If you're gonna have a baby, look at it. If you're gonna have a baby, ask it how it feels. Wait till it can talk so that it's a two-way conversation. But the parents are supposed to like talk softly in front of, I mean, we're not idiots. We all know that. I mean, I'm sure my parents did that. My parents weren't like, you know, dangling knives over my head <laughs> in my crib. I don't, that's the other thing. I'm so super protective of anybody ever thinking my parents could have been a less than perfect parent, even though like no one's a perfect parent. You know what I mean? Hey, oh, listen to me. Oh, here's some shows that I'm doing. This is coming out Wednesday. Yeah, it's tomorrow. I'm doing this so mad last minute, y'all. Oh boy, because I was sad. My friend left today and I was like, okay. And then I had my period too. Double whammy. So I got to soothe. I got to learn how to soothe myself. Soothe yourself. Um, but shows, I'm at, if you're in Philadelphia, if you know any motherfuckers in Philadelphia, the Pennsylvania area, Delaware Valley, I don't know how many tickets are sold because yes, I emailed the person to see if they could get the numbers from the club. But did I look at my emails? No. Because am I afraid of responsibility and checking all my emails? Because I went, went two days without checking emails and people are already texting me, hey, did you read my email? And I'm like, oh my God, it's so many emails. I'm not going to read any of them. Yeah, I did that. That's what I did. So I don't know. Maybe they're sold out. Maybe they're not. But I hope they are. But tell every person you've ever met in Philadelphia area. That's, I think it's 21 and up. Call it club if you don't know. I don't know. You do it. I'm not going to do it. Um, you know what? Let me just call him. <laughs> Is that fun? Helium, Philadelphia. No, you know what? No, I'll just fucking put it on my social media. See, I'm just so like, I'm period braining. But uh, I'm headlining Helium Comedy Club in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This Thursday, one show at eight. Friday, two shows. And Saturday, also two shows. This is gonna be this shit. Um, this comedian named Ryan Long is opening for me. 
uh it's it's gonna be fun man it's gonna be fucking fun please come click a link somewhere just google helium k-r-y-s-t-y-n-a yes that's how you spell my name i didn't pick it okay so do that and then on wednesday february 12th if you're in new york city justin silver and i are not having sexual intercourse and we also host a show about it and it's going to be a good one it's at the stand and then on saturday march 7th is glamour puss at 8 p.m at sink bar 32 west third street me and wendy starling oh man wendy came over the other day and we took a little, little little tiny shave of mushroom chocolates and started just coloring and coloring books and i have a coloring book called farting animals oh my god it's so cathartic it's so cathartic hey hey you let's do some fuck boy theater <laughs> The way I said it. Good. Okay. All right. I'm going to read some from Two Fuck Boys. This guy, this guy, his name is, um, his name is Clomus. <laughs> it's Thomas. <laughs> I think I'm so fucking funny. Okay. Um, so this is a hinge message and he's responding to this girl's profile. I don't know what a girl, the girl's name is, but I'm not going to out her cause she's not a dick. Um, so this woman as part of her hinge profile, you answer a bunch of prompts and the prompts that this girl answered was two truths and a lie. A, my mom is dead. B, my dad is dead. C, neither of my parents are dead. And so you read that and you're like, okay, you know, that means that means her parents are dead. Like that's the two truths and a lie. If two of these things are true, that means the one thing that's not true is neither of her parents are dead. So this guy, Clomet, Thomas, it's Thomas. I already outed him. Thomas messages her and she and he goes, It's definitely your dad. And then she goes, It's definitely both. That wasn't an option. It's two truths and a lie. But I wasn't wrong. I do feel, feel terrible, though. I guess that's the only answer that made sense. Yeah, you fucking idiot. I also think it's funny that she said her parents were dead on her profile. Because it's like, hey, let me learn something about you. But also, like, you kind of got a sense of humor about it, even though you probably still need to heal. Because, you know, no one's, you know, your parents, that's, that's, a, that's a wound that takes a second. Okay. Here's, and then I'm going to end on this man's bio. He's a straight man. And his name is Glacen. <laughs> It's Jason. Oh, this bio is, uh, ladies, be prepared to slide off whatever you're sitting on right now, okay? I'm going to read Jason's bio again. It's his bio. This is what he wants you to know about him from the get-go. This is what he, this is his flag. This is his pride flag. He's 27 years old. And his bio reads, <clears throat> again, it's his bio. If your bio says you won't message first, fuck off. For the simple point of thinking you're better than you are. What kind of weak-ass dude DMs you after reading that? You aren't that sought after. But if you aren't a total bitch, hit me up. Sunglass face emoji. Oh, what does what Jason's profile picture look like, you ask? Oh, don't worry. He's wearing a red hat. Don't know if it says Make America Great Again because I can only see the rim. Feels like it might, though. Because the shirt says Whiskey Helps. It's a t-shirt that says Whiskey Helps. And what is he holding in two of his, each of his hands, ladies and gentlemen? What is Jason, 27 years old, wearing a Whiskey Helps t-shirt, holding in each of his hands? I'll give you one second to guess. Eh, it's fucking their fish that he caught. Their fish. They're fish. Again, this is his bio. They're fish. Thank you. Thank you so much. No, like I honestly, like I was channeling, like I want to like kill, like I want to kill somebody, but like I want to punch those fucking fish out of Jason's hand. Guys, if you don't, we don't want to, don't show me a picture of you holding a fish. That sounds like such a Jerry Seinfeld thing. Why is it the guys on Hinge? They always have to have fun of them holding their... Oh, this is a terrible Seinfeld impression. I'm sorry I did that to you. 
Oh, speaking of comedians, I was having a conversation about this, and it's like a hot topic. Like a lot of comics are talking about it. But I, I was on a, I was on a date the other night. I know I'm bragging, and uh, and I had a conversation with this person about this particular topic because it fascinates me. I'm not really, I, I'm not so much angry at comics and freedom of speech and stuff like, like when people try to oppress it. And no, that's a lie. It does make me fucking angry. It makes me my blood boil. Actually, God. Sorry, I lied to you for a second. Um, but uh, there's a stand-up comedian named Ari Shafir, and he does a bit now. Well, here I'll, I'll give it to I'll give you the facts the way I the order that I got them in. Okay, uh, he's a great stand-up comedian. He's been around forever, and uh, I am always of the school of thought that comedians can say whatever the fuck they want doesn't mean it's funny doesn't mean it's not gonna offend you and it doesn't mean that comedians don't get offended by what other comedians say like i i do <laughs> a lot all the time but i you know being offended by something makes you reflect and if we're people that are doing work on ourselves and if you're listening to this goddamn podcast you better be one of those fucking people because what the fuck's the point of your life if you're not gonna at least try a little to be a little bit better than you were yesterday but you got it, you know, where is I going? I don't know. I was looking at my Princess Diana plate with the cocaine dust on it. But Ari Shafir, um, I uh, tweeted this thing out about, um, and I'm not, I don't want it, to, it's not like something like, go, go Google it and then fucking yell at them. No, no, no. This is not at all this the conversation that I, I want to have. But um, he tweeted about, he tweeted something about uh, Kobe Bryant's death, but it was like a, glad that he died and apparently i didn't realize this i read that and i was like oh you fucking oh ow dude that was so fucking stupid like that's what i thought that to myself out loud when i read the tweet and there was like a video too that he made and then i learned um he didn't know that kobe's daughter also died and all these other people died in this helicopter crash and uh and it was just like one of those moments that um Kobe Bryant is such a beloved figure regardless of what you think about sports or what like if you give a shit about basketball or not and um and it's interesting that one of the things that I came across and that I, I noticed that Corinne came across with the Kobe Bryant stuff is um the the rape allegations that he had experienced uh I think in 2003 something like that um I I read it all I read up on it again because I was like I kind of remember what happened but I don't really remember what happened and when I, I posted something on my Instagram stories about him dying, uh, you know, but it was, you know, it was just a, a beautiful animation from one of his short films. that was like Oscar nominated, like a cartoon. I'm like, God damn, Kobe Bryant did a lot of shit. Uh, and uh, we both got responses from women who were like, he's a rapist. He's a rapist. And I was like, you know what? Fuck you. Okay. Just shut the fuck up. Like, that's what I want. I didn't say that to the person because, because my anger is not that was that's you know that, that's that's what go, those are the voices in my head when i read those kinds of things however i understand that if you are a victim of sexual assault and you remember that case when it came out in the news and then this person dies and everyone's mourning him i get it i get if you would be like uh triggered whatever like i get it that makes a lot of sense trauma fucking stays in your body man and if you have been sexually assaulted the odds of you um, getting really upset when people are like mourning the loss of a beloved sports person or, or person who's also been accused of this stuff. I get it. I get it. I get all the things. I get it. But like when I personally post about like a, this, you know, a picture of him and uh, people message me really upset, I have to, I have to do my part to understand. I have to do the work to understand that to not take it personal. You know what I mean? It's not my fucking, it's not, and just give you room to be upset because it's okay. That's, I think that's where I need to change my thing as a comic because I like, the second anybody tries to be PC towards me or tries to like nitpick what I say, it's just, it's so fucking ridiculous and it makes me want to scream and pull my hair out because I'm like, do you understand that if you, your anger is such bullshit, it's such this fake fucking pedestal that you stand on because what do you do for a living is your job is your job part of your job or part of your efforts or part of how you spend your energy every single day a little bit of your day going towards making a difference 
for the change or the cause or the subject that you feel that I am rubbing in your face or whatever. So if you're going to say something like the Kobe thing, guess what? Guess what, motherfucker? This is because this is why I get pissed. I fucking volunteer for the medical teams at Bellevue Hospital and NYU. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but this is, uh, you got to live, live by your own example. Okay. I really, I'm, I hold myself to the standard and you should hold yourself to the standard too. Okay. I fucking am part of people's medical team. I volunteer. I, I'm, I'm training to volunteer to be with victims of sexual assault and domestic violence that walk into the Bellevue and NYU ER. Okay. That is doing something about it. I mean, you know what? I am fucking toot my own horn. Good for me. And you should do the same thing for whatever cause you care about. Just something. It doesn't have to be that exact thing. But if just the, the anger towards what comedians say blows my fucking mind because it seems like you're trying to feel important or you're like, you're like, I need to be heard right now. You weren't heard as a kid, which, hey. I wasn't hurt as a kid either, but you know what? I made my living and I make money and I live off of being heard. My therapist the other day was like, man, you were not heard or seen as a kid and you made sure that people fucking heard you now. I'm like, yeah, dog. Yeah, doggy. It's kind of fun. But uh, to to the anybody who, uh, these, these internet people. So Ari Shafir tweeted something about like, I'm glad he died. He deserved it. He was a rapist. Uh, that's not the exact quote that he said. But I also then learned that like anytime a beloved person dies, anytime it happens, Ari Shafir will tweet like something like, ha ha, something glad they died. And I don't know. It's one of those things where it's seen. I'm not. And this is me totally putting words in his mouth. But if this is what it feels like to me. I don't know if you guys had this moment. But when remember when you were a kid? And you never said a curse word out loud, but you've heard them and you knew the word carried weight, like the word fuck. Do you remember the first time you ever said fuck? Oh my God. Can you guys just think back to that? Hopefully it wasn't dramatic. The first time you ever said fuck out loud. I'll never forget it. I was in Virginia. I was in Chesapeake, Virginia. at my friend Stephen Cherm's house because he was one of my best friends. And I was in his room and we were playing video games and he cursed. And I was like, I was maybe, I don't know, like four or five. And I was like, wait, we can say that. And he was like, yeah, my parents aren't here. And I was like, okay. All right, all right, I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna say it, okay. okay. Fuck! Oh! Like, I felt so free and rebellious. It was crazy. It, I feel like it's kind of something like that. Like, I'm gonna say something that's gonna carry a lot of weight. Because at the time, when I was a five-year-old saying the word fuck, the weight that it carried was my parents smacking me. And like me being in trouble and you know, your girl only cared about what her parents thought of her and how they were doing at any moment above her own feelings. So like that really did carry a lot of weight for me specifically. Some kids get slapped in the face like whatever. I wasn't one of those girls or kids. Oh shit, my mic's Sam. Anyway, so it's, it seems like it's like one of those. And, and I am a person who, when I read that tweet, I'm like, oh, dude, no. Oh, it's so fucking gross. Because if I'm like, man, you're just kicking people when they're down, they're mourning this beloved person. It's not funny to me. It's not offensive. It's not, um, it is offensive. It's pretty offensive, I guess. I don't know if I have to be a part of a certain group. I don't, I'm not a huge Kobe fan, but like that man is so beloved and it's, he's so special. But I also know who Ari is and I know that he didn't do that to, well, he kind of did it to piss people off and just to prove that like, these are just words. And I, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there. I thought that was an interesting concept because at first I was like, why the fuck is he doing this? Like why? Ugh. And it's still not funny or cute, but but at the same time, the point, like, what? It, whenever I get offended by something, it really causes me to reflect. And I go, that's in, it's an interesting concept to like throw words out there. I mean, w words only have power if you give them power. A and I can't imagine. Oh, it's got to be it. I I don't even know if I could try to not read that tweet like the first time i read that tweet to not give those words power they just because it's so like oh god uh icky oh it's sad no it's bad so you know words have power and it's interesting to play with those the boundaries people's boundaries and what people are comfortable with 
what, what what power what amount of power people are comfortable giving words and it always blows my mind when people um people journalists in quotes because let me tell you something if you're a journalist in quotes and you are just trying to out a comedian for something stupid he or she said on a podcast man oh man you 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 sad you sad boo boo i think it's i think it's sad and i think it's pathetic uh what else i'm looking at my notes because you know what i was like i'm gonna go into this fucking episode and i'm just gonna fucking i'm just gonna fucking do my thing okay did you watch the super bowl did you watch uh j-lo and shakira shaking the little rear ends <laughs> boy they have nice butts when i saw their ass i'm like yeah i should just kill myself Let's look at, I'm going to look at my bits folder. Oh, oh God. These are topics I wanted to talk about last week, but I, I don't know what I said last week. But um, I was walking past a firehouse on my way to a comedy club and I looked in the window like I always do because you girl love her some firefighters, okay? And there was a man on the floor and there was no fire trucks in the, fi in the firehouse and there was no one around. And I was like, I was about to run in to that firehouse and rescue this beautiful man. I was gonna, I was looking for the door. I was like, oh, I'm so clutch in an emergency situation because my nervous system is fucked up and I'm always on fight or flight mode. So I'm always on high alert, always looking out for danger. Second I walked past that firefighter garage, peeked in, saw a man on the floor laying down, no one else around him. I'm like, this is my time to shine. This is my time to shine. What is it, three in the afternoon? This is my time to fucking shine. It's actually 8 p.m. Good for me. Pretty alert for that late. And then I realized it was a CPR dummy. And I was so annoyed. I was like, God damn it. I really wanted to make out with it. And you know, I don't know CPR. So if it was a guy, I'd probably just kiss him. I don't, maybe kiss him back to life. I don't know. Because uh, I don't know CPR, but I, maybe I'll call 911. 911, what's your emergency? Oh, man. You know, there's this guy who's passed out. Where are you? I'm at a firehouse. I know, right? Yo, I have called 911 on so many strangers. I haven't done it lately. Have I done it lately? I think the last time I called 911 was there was a very large man passed out in the doorway of my building, and I just couldn't, I couldn't get around him. I simply couldn't. And he was like barfing on himself, and it wasn't cute. I don't think he lived in the building. And uh, I was like, Boo boo, get your shit together. I pass a, I've walked by a lot of men passed out alone on the sidewalk, sitting down always, and just doing that rock back and forth. Rock a bye. That's what I want to do when I walk past them. I want to take a boombox out of my asshole and I want to play that song. Everything's gonna be all right. Rock a bye. No, it's not. Get your shit together, Tyler. You're 29. <laughs> what if I just got a boombox? <laughs> That's funny. And I just I just looked around for men who are passed out on the street in New York. You can find them everywhere, oddly enough. You don't really have to go far. Murray Hill, baby. Santa Con, capital of the world. And I just played like 90s songs, but like the sad ones in front of passed out guys. Like I blared them, like I blasted them on a speaker. And I just took a video, a selfie video of me and him with the song I wish you would step out from that ledge my friend and then I'll put it on fart sound effect meet Virginia oh my god remember that song oh meet Virginia she only drinks coffee at midnight when the moment is not right oh man and I, when the, that line where he's like, in the shape of her body, unusual. And I fucking heard that song when I was like eight. I'm like, well, excuse you. Let her be. I'm just fucking really upset about the wrong things. Oh, God. Oh. Book of poetry that I wrote. Fuck. I'm going to do that next episode. Don't hug the... Po oh, oh, oh. I'm having a birthday party. I already have people to help. Thank you for... Um, uh, emailing found people to help my birthday party um i want to give a shout out because i said i would because they're giving me so much oh my god so my birthday party is being 
um, this wonderful man. I forget his name, but he's cute and fun and cool. Um, my friend Kirill hooked me up with him. And he's uh, at Russian, Russian Standard is the name of the company. And they're fucking giving me vodka up the ass. Not like up my asshole, but like a shitload of vodka, shitload of whiskey, champagne, beer, like mini champagne things. Thank you, Russian Standard. Wow. Let's all buy some. That's really, that was really nice. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? This is sick. And so I want to, okay, here's another thing I want to talk about. I go back and forth between being embarrassed slash feeling stupid over being seen, like the, like attention. So, okay, I'm having this, I'm having this birthday party, right? And it's like, it's a little obnoxious, but I, I, the reason I like having it is because it's in like this, I, I, I did it last year, it's the only other time I did this, but I rented out this crazy hotel suite, this fucking crazy hotel suite in New York. The second floor of this hotel suite has a hot tub and the bottom of the hot tub is glass. And below that is the living room. So the glass bottom of the hot tub looks into the living room. So you, if you're in the living room, you can look up and see people's feet and maybe their penis if they're fucking or a turd if they had to poop. The, not in my hot tub, not in my party. They drain the hot tub in between people staying there. I asked, don't worry, because there's a lot of in that hot tub. Um, and I go back like, the, the, so my wanting to have a party, I love having a birthday party, not to celebrate me, but like I just want all my friends in one room and I want everyone to feel sexy, whatever that means to them. Wear prom dress, wear sweatpants. I don't give a fuck, but like feel sexy. I'm gonna supply drugs but and vitamins because we got to do them responsibly because if you're going to partake in substances, you got to understand how much you can take and you have to do them responsibly and drink some water, okay? Drink your water. Drink your water. Take your vitamins. But I just want my friends to be in one space having a really good time in a really cool space, right? And that's, so that's when I was like, do I want to do that thing again this year? Like, do I want to do that birthday party again? That was, so, that was really fun. I was a little kind of a wreck, but uh, like just worried and stuff about everything because I always am fight or flight baby um but you know I liked it so I was like you know I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it and now like thinking back I'm like okay I kind of want to put things in the in the hotel room that are like funny like all throughout the hotel suite like uh, like porn magazines I don't know I just think it's funny because I, I don't I'm, I'm net I go back and forth between like oh this will be like a fun night with my friends so like is this stupid are people gonna think I'm like trying to trying to like floss like I just I don't want to uh I don't, I don't want people to, and I'm like, Christina, who gives a flying fuck, dude? But I go back and forth between being terribly embarrassed that I'm doing this and so excited that I'm doing this. So anyway, if you have any like fun ideas of like shit I can leave out at the party that are, isn't drugs or porn magazines, because don't worry, I already thought of those. I don't know. I was going to get like a Princess Diana cut out for no reason. No reason. Just because. I just love, I'm like recently obsessed with Princess Diana again no reason i didn't read anything about her or see anything i didn't learn anything additional i, I just kind of like her and the cocaine plate i have in my apartment that i make my friends do the cocaine off of i just you know she stare lady die stares at me and i feel like she's just a classy lady she's a classy lady but yeah if there's any i'm trying to think of what other things i could have at the party that are like unique cool fun special i've never seen that before like oh that's hilarious because that's the vibe i'm most comfortable in funny you know because i'm a comedian oh my god you guys okay i, I wrote this down a future bit make a really big fucking point what that's not a note christina that's not a note stand-up comedy is so hard I asked what a solid tip for quitting smoking is. Oh, yeah. I was asking what a solid tip for quitting smoking would be from people who have successfully quit. And a bunch of people were like, honestly, get pregnant. I'm like, you know what? I don't not want a kid. Is wanting to quit smoking a good reason to have a kid? Maybe. Because people do it to save their marriage and that ain't great. Don't have a kid to save your marriage. I mean, who the fuck am I? I'm not married. What am I, giving you advice? Telling you how to live? Yeah, you're right, I am. Uh, all right. Okay, this is, oh God. I wanna play this chapter of uh, feeling good. And I'm gonna pause it. I'm just gonna play a little bit of it and then I'm gonna leave you. This is gonna be a short episode. But you know what? It's fine. Next week's episode's gonna be crazy. I'm gonna do some prank calls. I'm gonna do some prank calls. But this book that I'm obsessed with, 
Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy by David D. Burns, MD, narrated by George Newbern. Oh, also, one of you clutch motherfuckers sent me a picture of George Newbern. He is an actor. He was on fucking Scandal and shit. He was like, I know who he is. Yo, I want to fuck him. George, you out there? George, George. Hey, Georgie. So there's a chapter in Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy by David D. Burns that I read. Listen to. I can't say I read it because I don't. Oh, the love addiction. This chapter is called (laughs) Your Work is Not Your Worth. And when I saw that, I was like, wait, yeah, it is. What do you mean? Wait, what? But if my work isn't my worth, I should just go kill myself. No, I'm just kidding. I have a problem with um, with that. Uh, and I and the, one of the reasons why I'm successful is because I base a part of my self-worth on my career and the work I do. I'm very proud of it. I worked hard. And, and, a, and a career in the arts going well is a combination between hard work, talent, and luck. It's all those three things combined. But, you know, when I, when I like, Corinne and I filmed a pilot for True TV. We did. Years ago. We also had a straight-to-series television show with Lifetime. And then they were like, you know what? You guys curse a lot. And we're like, oh, fuck off. That's not what they said. But they, we pitched him a, we pitched him a, an idea for a segment that they did not find funny. <laughs> and I won't say it on here because I will be canceled if I did. Um, so when we didn't, when that pilot didn't go, we're like, we filmed it. We, we had a writer's room. We did all the things, like the dream thing. Like, <gasps> we got to hire, we interviewed our friends to be writers on our TV show. It was cool. And we filmed the pilot and the network was like, this is great. And then, then they didn't call and they were like, well, that means it wasn't great. And then whatever, you know, shit happens. But after we didn't get that, I was like, I'm just, I, I was so depressed because I base so much of my worth on my work. And now I'm going to play a little bit of this chapter for you guys in case you are, you value your work on how good your fucking spreadsheets are. And I'm going to pause it every so often to just insert uh, my first impressions. Understand. Chapter 13. Your work is not your worth. But it is. A third silent assumption that leads to anxiety and depression is my worth as a human being is proportional to what I have achieved in my life. Yeah, it is. This attitude is at the core of Western culture and the <sighs> Protestant work ethic. Protestant. It sounds innocent enough. In fact, it is self-defeating, grossly inaccurate, and malignant. Ned, the physician described in earlier chapters, called me at home one recent Sunday evening. He had been feeling panicky all weekend. His upset was triggered by plans to attend the 20th reunion of his college class. He graduated from an Ivy League college. Oh, fuck off. He had been invited to give the keynote address to the alumni. Why was Ned in such a state of apprehension? He was concerned that he might meet up with some classmate at his reunion who had achieved more than he had. He explained why this was so threatening. It would mean I was a failure. And here's the thing. You really have to be honest with yourself when you're evaluating this stuff because I would be too embarrassed to admit to a, even a therapist that that if somebody did better than me, I'm a failure, even though that is a core belief of mine. I don't want to admit that it's a core belief of mine because a logical part of my brain's like, that's not true. But you got to be able to say this shit out loud and then get embarrassed over it and not do it. Bully yourself, kids. Ned's exaggerated preoccupation with his achievements is particularly common among men. And women, if While women are not immune to career concerns, no, we're not. they are more likely to be depressed after the loss of love or approval. That is so true. Men, in contrast, are especially vulnerable to concerns about career failure because they've been programmed from childhood to base their worth on their accomplishments. I mean, me too. The first step in changing... And mine was like, oh, if I do well, mommy will smile. Any personal value is to determine if it works more to your advantage or disadvantage. Deciding that it will not really help you to measure your worth by what you produce is the crucial first step in changing your philosophy. Let's begin with a pragmatic approach, a cost-benefit analysis. Clearly, there can be some advantage to equating your self-esteem with your accomplishments. Yeah, like you do a fucking TED Talk, you have a really popular podcast, and you make your money, and you you buy your parents a house with the fucking podcast money. In the first place, you can say, I'm okay, and yeah. feel good about yourself when you have achieved something. Yo, I feel so good about myself when I achieve shit. A little too good. 
For example, if you win a golf game, you can pat yourself on the back and feel a little smug and superior to your partner because he missed his putt on the last hole. Honestly, I don't even golf, and I would feel so much better than the other person if I won. Even mini golf. Like, when I beat my nephew at mini golf, secretly, I'm like, heh He's four. When you go jogging with a friend and he runs out of breath before you do, you can puff up with pride and tell yourself, he's a good guy for sure, but I'm just a little better. Yeah, I definitely think that as well. When you make a big sale at work, you can say, I'm producing today. I'm doing a good job. My boss will be pleased and I can respect myself. Essentially, your work ethic allows you to feel you've earned personal worth. Yo, that is like my Bible. My work, if my work ethic is fucked up and I'm not productive that day, I'm like, I should just die. What's the point? You lazy piece of shit. Ugh. And the right to feel happy. Oh, you're telling this me. This belief system may make you especially motivated to produce. You might put extra effort into your career because you're convinced this will give you extra worthiness units. And you will therefore see yourself as a more desirable person. You can you avoid are. the horrors of being just average. <gasps> in There's nothing worse than being average. In a nutshell, you may work harder to win, and when you win, you may like yourself better. That Yes, that's exactly Let's me. Let's look at the other side of the coin. Okay. What are the disadvantages of your philosophy of worth equals achievement? Uh, happiness? First, if your business or career is going well, you may become so preoccupied with it that you may inadvertently cut yourself off from the other potential sources of satisfaction and enjoyment as you slave away from early morning to late night. Yeah, but that means as you're you become worth more and more of a workaholic. You will feel excessively driven to produce because if you fail to keep up the pace, you will experience a severe withdrawal. Yeah, because that means you're a lazy piece of shit. Characterized by inner emptiness and despair. In the absence of achievement, you'll feel worthless and bored because you'll have no other basis for self-respect. Yo, I feel so bored when I'm not achieving. And I want to kill myself. Fulfillment. Suppose as a result of illness, business reversal, retirement, or some other factor beyond your control, you find you are unable to produce at the same high level for a period of time. Oh, now, you may pay the price of a severe depression triggered by the conviction that because you are less productive, it means you are no good. You'll feel like a tin can that's been used and is now ready for the trash. Oh, yeah. Your lack of self-esteem might even culminate in a suicide attempt. The yep. ultimate payment for measuring your worth exclusively by the standards of the marketplace. Do you want this? Do no. you need this? No. There may be other prices to pay. Like what? If your family suffers from your neglect, a certain resentment may build up. Yeah. Well. For a long time, they may hold it in, but sooner or later, you'll get the bill. Your wife has been having an affair and is talking about divorce. That bitch. Your 14-year-old son has been arrested for burglary. Dumb twat. When you try to talk with him, he snubs you. Fucking Where have you been it. all these years, Dad? Even if these unfortunate developments do not happen to you. That hurt me and I'm not even a dad. You will still have one great disadvantage. The lack of true self-esteem. Oh, you got me. I have recently begun treating a very successful businessman. He claims to be one of the top money earners in the world in his profession. Yet he is victimized by episodic states of fear and anxiety. What if he should fall off the pinnacle? What if he had to give up his Rolls Royce silver cloud and drive a Chevrolet instead? Ugh, can't think of anything worse. Honestly. Uh, that would be unbearable. Yeah. Could he survive? No. Could he still love himself? He should. He doesn't know if he could find happiness without the glamour or glory. His nerves are constantly on edge because he can't answer these questions. What would your answer be? Which? Uh, 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 I'd be sad. Well, I don't own a car, so. But if I had to live in a little shack on the side of a road in, 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 in Colombia or in South Dakota, I wouldn't like it. Do you still respect and love yourself if you experienced a substantial failure? Nope. As with any addiction, you find that greater and greater doses of your upper will be needed in order to become high. Ugh. Yeah, I'm an addict. This tolerance phenomenon occurs with heroin, speed, amphetamines, and alcohol, Ooh, and sleeping pills. It also happens with riches, fame, and success. Why? Perhaps because you automatically set your expectations higher and higher once you have achieved a particular level. 
the excitement quickly wears off. Why doesn't the aura last? Why do you keep needing more and more? The answer is obvious. Success does not guarantee happiness. The two. All right. I, you know what? I was going to play a little bit more, but I'll play more of it next week because I have to poop. Okay? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care. And also, there's a part in this end of this chapter where they do role-playing, where they're like, all right, let's just pretend that I think that you're a piece of shit if you're not successful and rich. And then he does this role-playing with like him and him. God, his voice is so sexy. Um, George Newburn's voice, that is. And uh, that one is really interesting. So I'm going to play that next week because I have to go to the bathroom and it's a number two and I don't care. I love you so much, guys. Don't fucking kill yourself. Babes on blades forever. I bladed today, but I only bladed one block and you know what? It was made me really happy. Oh, my butterfly's flying around. That's fun. I hope he's okay. All right. I'm going to go to the bathroom now. Have fun with your spreadsheets. I'll talk to you next week. Virginia, yeah, yeah, hey, hey, hey.